Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the danger of false religion. Now, as you know, a woman's always used in the scriptures, symbolic of religion. Notice the woman has been unfaithful to God and His Word. She is powerful, having a cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. As long as this woman's alive in the world as a system, no one has peace. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most people turn to religion for comfort and hope, but if it's the wrong religion, that faith can be the furthest thing from God. Today, Pastor Xavier continues his study of the last days and helps bring to light the very religion that can be hazardous to your eternal destiny. Here's our teacher with the text for today's Simple Truth. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 through 6. The message is entitled, Babylon the Mother of Harlots. The Bible is clear about the world coming under a one world power. It's going to be a marriage of politics and religion. And John gives to us some very important details of these events in chapter 17 and 18. It will ultimately end up with the destruction of this religious and commercial system. In chapter 17, the religious system will be destroyed at the end of the first three and a half years by the hand of the Antichrist, as we'll see. Chapter 18, the commercial system of Babylon will come to an end and destroy it at the end of the seven years, which is the last of the three and a half years. And so what we want to do is look closely at the religious woman, Babylon. Um, Let me read verse 1 through 6. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filth of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. We're going to just stop there, okay? Here's the threefold perspective about this religious woman. First, verse 1 and 2, we have the judgment of the woman. Secondly, verse 3 and 4, the identity of the woman. And verse 5 and 6, the character of the woman. Of the woman. The judgment of the woman found in verse 1 and 2. Notice first in verse 1, the angel came and spoke to John. The angel was one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. This is a, a parenthetical passage, chapter 17 and 18, as we've seen in previous time. The great detail has to be fit back in. Now, the word for angel appears 76 times in the book of Revelation. If you've read the book of Revelation, there's angels here, angels there, all kinds. Only eight of those 76 refer to pastors. 
when we studied the seven messages to the churches and in chapter 1, verse 20. The rest are literal angels. Angels are messengers of God to the people of God often. You remember in Genesis 22 when God uh, had Abraham offer his, his son as a sacrifice, he sent an angel and stopped them from slaying him. Daniel was sent, Gabriel, the angel, to give him the 70 weeks of Daniel, very key to the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ in Daniel chapter 9. The angel delivered Peter from prison, as you know, in Acts 12, 7. Angels are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, Hebrews 1, 14. Angels are also God's soldiers of vengeance. God sent a couple of angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 to warn Lot and his family before they would bring down fire and brimstone upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You had one angel that went out and slew 185,000 Assyrians in one night in 2 Kings 19.35. Angels are bad dudes. One angel. 185,000 one night. Amazing. Notice in verse 1, the angel told John to come and to see the judgment of the great harlot. The word come, I will show you, appears three times. In chapter 4, verse 1, it was to see the church. They're in heaven. In chapter 17, 1 here is to see the great harlot. In chapter 21, verse 9, is to see the bride, the lamb, of, and the wife of, of, of God. Don't mistake in these ladies. They're distinct. Now, the judgment of the great harlot is one who sits on many waters. Notice that in verse 1. She is depicted as great, the one who has greatly perverted and most the most natural and holy union of marriage. That's why she's called the great harlot. She is in the position of authority, notice, and power, sitting, controlling, reproducing her kind. You cannot fail reading these six verses and her prostitution, her fornication, her evil deeds are constantly hit from every angle. She's described as a harlot who sits on many waters, symbolic of masses and multitudes of people. This ties in with Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 51.13, when Jeremiah was prophesying about Babylon. It says, O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come, the measure of your covetousness. Down in verse 15 of chapter 17, he repeats the same phrase. For he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitude, nations, and tongues. There are many descriptions, we don't have the time to go through it this morning, that, that locate where this woman is. And we're going to see that it's unmistakably Rome. Okay? Notice in verse 2, the angel disclosed to John her clientele. The kings of the earth commit fornication, declaring her power of seduction. This is spiritual unfaithfulness to the true and living God, an allusion to Jeremiah 51.7 again. She is declared a harlot, one who provides sexual pleasures to one who is not her husband, speaking of spiritual unfaithfulness. The inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication, it says. The intoxicating effect of the harlot's wine over the lives of those contaminated by being seduced by her acts of fornication. Now, here her application is spiritual fornication. 
But in a literal sense, as you look to the history of Rome, we'll cover a little bit this morning. She has prostituted herself, and Rome was one of the greatest brothels of the world through the Catholic Church at one time. Amazing. A harlot pollutes and enslaves others by her enticement. Inflaming the passions of men, their desires, merchandising and holding them captive, drunk with the wine of her fornication. When you're drunk, you give in to that alcohol. When you're drunk, you, you're less inhibited. You give in. You don't resist. You destroy your life. She is representative of a religion who has corrupted the true relationship of the oneness of God and man. And therefore, she commits spiritual fornication. Now, as you know, a woman's always used in the scriptures, symbolic of religion. The church of Thyatira, as we studied in Revelation 2.20, Thyatira allowed the woman Jezebel to teach her heir in sexual immorality. She's portrayed as religion. Notice the woman has been unfaithful to God and his word. She has had a long history, in fact, from the beginning of the time with the kings of the earth, because this is the bottom line, with the kings of the earth. Her opposition to God began with Nimrod, the son of Cush back in Genesis, who was the grandson of Ham, who was the son of Noah, who mocked Noah as he laid naked after he had drunk that wine that he planted in the vineyard in Genesis chapter 9 and 10. Nimrod led people away from God. He erected the Tower of Babel in attempts to establish a religious system for men to go through him to get to God, Genesis 10 and 11. And God caused confusion of the tower and the language is there. So Babylon begins back there. One of its cities was Babel. The other one was uh, Nineveh there in Genesis so you have the opposition to God way back in Genesis at the fall. Now his wife, of, the wife of Nimrod, was Samaramis, who continued the system after his death. And her and her son Tammuz became a mother-son worship. She supposedly got pregnant miraculously after his death. And um, Tammuz one day was out there hunting boar and he was killed by a boar and supposedly resurrected miraculously after 40 days, which you get your 40 days of Lent in the Catholic Church from, okay? Interesting, Jeremiah and Ezekiel mentioned both her and her son. Jeremiah 44, 15 through 19, uh, the woman Sam Ramis is found being worshipped in the book of Jeremiah under the name of the Queen of Heaven. They're making cakes and offering them to her. Mary is the Queen of Heaven in the Catholic Church. The same woman and child, the Madonna worship, is throughout the world under different names. We don't have the time this morning, but it's the same one. Ezekiel 8, 8 through 14 and 16 and 18 speaks of the women weeping for Tammuz, the worship of Tammuz also. The worship of both of these are found throughout the world. Under different names, but it's the same one. It's the mother and child worship. It's Satan's attempt to counterfeit the worship of the true and living God. And he has succeeded. From the beginning, the promise was given in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And those are the only two things you worship this morning. You worship the Son of God or all the falsehoods, which is the seed of the serpent. 
one of the two. First John, and John is very clear, you belong to the family of God or you belong to the family of the devil. Those are pretty strong words. There's no in-betweens. It's one or the other. And so the system has been dispersed throughout the earth in different forms. And though there, you may find similarities between religions, they have their root in Babylon. Always. You remember when Jehu came to Jezreel? You find it in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30 and 37. It regards Jezebel. Listen to him. He came to Jezreel and Jezebel heard of it because remember she had polluted the land. And so she put on paint on her face and her eyes and adorned herself and her head. And she looked out the window. And then Jehu entered the gate and said, Is it peace, Emery, murder of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who's on my side? Who? So two, three eunuchs looked out at him. And then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. And then the horses trampled her underfoot. And when he had gone in, he went in, eat, and to drink. And then when he came out, he was going to bury her. But when he went to bury her, all that was left was her head, her hands, and her feet, according to the prophecy of Elijah. Why? Because she had corrupted, through a corruption of her mind, the worship of Yahweh. Through her hands, she has served herself and power and her feet because she walked in the ways of her own understanding. Judgment. It was not to be thought of as some accident, but it was judgment direct from God exactly as Elisha said it would be. So is this woman here. Every person will be judged by God. God will judge every person in the white throne judgment in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Who has ever rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Every person will stand before God. None will escape. The judgment of the woman is nothing but the culmination of Nimrod's system then, of Babel. In Babylon, we have the beginning of religion. In Rome, we have the culmination of religion. In the two, we have a complete cycle ready for the judgment of God. The great harlot stands in contrast to the bride of Christ. She's unfaithful in contrast to the faithful bride of Christ. She is the imposter in comparison to the authentic church of Christ. She is unholy in comparison to the holy bride of Christ. She is self-glorifying unlike the bride who glories in Christ. And you can go on and make the contrast all the way through it yourself. The interesting thing is that God will use the Antichrist to judge the woman. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. It says, In the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate, naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. She will give rise to the Antichrist, but then he cannot stand competition or, or dividing power, so he will destroy her. And look at verse 17. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. The judgment of the woman is certain, absolutely certain. Now, let's look at the identity of the woman in verse 3 and 4. In verse 3, the woman's relationship to the beast is given to us. 
John was carried once again in the spirit as from Patmos uh, to the place of the future time. This is repeated as the mode of revelation in chapter 1, chapter 4, 21, and many other passages. Uh, the late J. Vernon McGee pointed out an interesting fact that both Rome and Babylon have a wilderness around them. Notice her colors. They speak of royalty and imperialism. She is in control of the beast, the Antichrist, as she sits on him at first. She is powerful in authority and gives rise to him through her system. For the first three and a half years, Revelation 17, 7. She is in league with one who is full of blasphemies against God. Notice that. This is the same one that we saw in chapter 13. The one that stood on the sand and saw the beast rising out of the sea, seven heads, ten horns. Names of blasphemy. The same person. It's the beast, the Antichrist. Remember, there's two beasts. The first beast is the Antichrist. The second beast is the false prophet. Okay? So you must distinguish them. Notice she is in a marriage of religion and politics. The seven heads and ten horns identify the religious and political marriage of the two into one. Even as Daniel 7, 7, as Revelation 13, 1 through 5 is revealed, and here again, Revelation 17, 9 and 10 as we move down the chapter, tells us. The headquarters is on the seven mountains where the woman sits. That is given to us in verse 9 and other portions. It's pretty hard to remove the Vatican from seven hills, Rome. That's been her address <laughs> from the beginning. This is the revival of the Roman Empire, a revived Roman Empire, according to Daniel's ten toes from the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Here's the image. Revived Roman Empire, Daniel 2.42. The beast will have that PR man as we've seen in chapter 13, verse 11 and 12. The false prophet who I believe will come from the Catholic system and give rise to the Antichrist. The false prophet will have power to deceive many as Revelation 13, 14 through 15 told us, bringing fire from heaven. And causing all to worship the beast. Now notice in verse 4, the woman's relationship to her wealth is given to us. The woman is seen as arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stone and pearls. These are the colors of royalty, imperialism. They are reserved for the popes only and cardinals. Paul II made it illegal for anyone but cardinals to ever wear scarlet Hats. Archbishop Marcello wrote a church ceremony book 300 years ago of interest. Listen, he describes five articles of the Pope and Cardinals, all of scarlet. He describes a vest of pearls and miter of gold and precious stones. And if you've ever been to the Vatican, you walk through there with your mouth wide open. The gold, the jewels, the riches, the paintings, the wealth that she has while people outside the street are begging. The wealth of the Roman Catholic Church is so indescribable that it would be impossible to accurately assess it, not to mention the wealth of all other religions that will join her system under this 
headship of religion and politics. Because remember, I believe the Catholic Church is a system, but when the church is gone, all other Protestant religions that have been left behind, they're the apostate church, they will be right under it. But she's the head. The Vatican is an international finance power with extensive holdings in hotels, transportation companies, industry, and on and on and on. We don't have the time this morning. You heard that one put it this way one time. We don't have to say like Peter, silver and gold have I none. Yes, the other man replied, but you can no longer say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk either which is very, very true. The woman has no shame, notice. She is powerful, having a cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Like the proverb says, you know, the, the harlot, she's out there and she wipes her mouth and says, what's the problem? There's no big deal. There's no acknowledgement of evil. And notice how the morals of our day are leading up to that. Today, people don't think anything of living together. They don't think anything of having a child out of wedlock. They don't think anything of anything. They just don't think. She holds the cup in her own hand, symbolic of her power, and party to her spiritual and faithfulness to the Lord. The phrase abominations and fornication is used of idolatry, as you know, which is always accompanied with immorality. So while there's spiritual fornication, there's literal sexual activity going on. And that is always the case in the Old Testament. God told Israel, don't stray away from me. Don't become unfaithful spiritually to me because you'll end up making physical unfaithfulness to me also. And all those religions had sexual rights all the time. We have the same today. We worship the God of sex today. Remember, this ecumenical movement is not limited to the Catholic Church. Keep that in mind. Everything else will come under her. The ecumenical movement is strong. An ecumenical just simply means that everybody is going to be one. Again, in 2 Kings 9, 22, listen. It says, now what happened when Joram saw Jehu, that he said, is it peace, Jehu? So we answered, what peace, as long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many? As long as this woman's alive in the world as a system, no one has peace. This ecumenical movement has been in motion for a quite a number of years, literally from the beginning, but these latter days, and it's stronger, stronger, and it's attempting again to put everything aside to make no difference in making one big brotherhood without any respect to doctrine. The movement is based on social reform, general beliefs in God without specifics to the scriptures. It's a nauseating kind of love. Whenever doctrine is set aside for love, it becomes perverted and it's an insult to God. You better stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You better know the Bible, lest people swoop you in because the whole philosophy even of the social movement today, of not judging, of being indifferent, the PC language, not making waves, accepting everybody, 
it all falls in with what is coming. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands have been deceived through every generation and today more so than ever before. Pastor Xavier Reese warns us of the dangers that accompany the perversion of the gospel as the last days draw near. And you can request a copy of today's important message titled Babylon, the Mother of Harlots. We can send you a copy for only $4 on CD. And make sure you pass this message along to a friend or loved one as well. The title to ask for once again is Babylon, the Mother of Harlots. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is there a place for other religions in this world? Learn more when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 